It's time for the Charter Chat Podcast. Please welcome your host, Juliet Lucero. Hey everyone, this is Juliet. We are back for another episode of the Charter Chat Podcast. I am speaking with David Porter of University Preparatory Academy in the Silicon Valley, San Jose area. And they are a seat-based charter school. And we talk about their program. It's very rigorous. And also all the clubs and organizations that they um, have started, the extracurricular activities. In addition to that, we are talking about how they are dealing with this COVID-19 with issue with the school closures and how they've converted from a regular seat-based classroom to an virtual enrollment, a virtual um, learning platform. So without further ado, here's my interview with David. Welcome everyone. I'm Juliette Lucero and you are tuned to the Charter Chat podcast that features different charter schools from all over. On today's episode, I am speaking with David Porter, the Executive Director for University Preparatory Academy Charter. Welcome, David. Welcome. Nice to finally get to meet you, and hello, everyone out there. Why don't we start off and have the audience hear a little bit about your background in education and how you got started with charter schools? Absolutely. Um, I'm quite a newbie to charter schools. I taught science, biology, and AP biology for probably about 15 years before moving to administration in a comprehensive um, public school. Um, And just last July, I decided to transition over to University Preparatory Academy. Um, I've been kind of keeping my eye on that program in this this school because of the uh, diversity of student experience and then also just the fantastic results. So the transition to University Preparatory Academy has been absolutely amazing. Um, The the two things that really just stand out the most is just the community support. Um, The the fact that there are so many parents and students who really do buy in and believe in the mission of preparing students to succeed in college. Um, So that part has just been absolutely amazing. Um, And is that different than when you were at the district? Absolutely. Um, Having a single mission and a mission that the teachers believe in, that the front office staff believes in, that students um, um, can see as a reality in their lives. That's the big difference. And um, and coming from a more comprehensive approach, um, we're trying to be everything to everybody. Uh, And that leaves a lot to be desired because um, you're trying to prepare a student for college track at the same time a student is wanting to drop out of school or um, each student needs to have an individualized education um, support system. And we're able to do that at UPA. And that was the biggest thing that, uh, and biggest aha moment for me making that transition. So we are really truly focused on a specific outcome and that's huge. Yeah, because in the end, everybody learns different. Everybody has different issues at home or in their personal lives. So you really have to individualize it. 
Absolutely. When I when I look at um, uh, Kip or Rocket Ship or um, in San Jose Downtown College Prep, um, I really understand them from a very different angle now in terms of what they're trying to do. Um, Roberto Cruz is down the street from um, a, a high school, um, and I, I, I truly understand from, from a much better angle that. Um, they are all doing the same similar work that we are doing in terms of just really trying to serve as students. Um, and I think at some point, and I don't want to blame blame systems, but um, they're all focused on on the student again. And that's for me, I think we lose that when we start to get lost in that bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. So how long has um, university prep been around and you guys are located where are you located at uh we're located in um mid san jose outside the willow glen area um we have uh, opened up our school in 2007 um and we just finished our third uh reauthorization great uh, congratulations <laughs> that's an experience all to itself to jump out of uh, <laughs> the frying pan into the fire to get used to that process <laughs> Um, and again, like, uh, I truly wish every school public, uh, comprehensive public went through that same process that we went through because I, I really feel like that, even though that process is painful, I, I learned a lot about the school and, and it really, um, pulled the staff together, uh, around what we need to get better at. Um, and that's, I do that, uh, in comprehensives every five years for the WASC. Yeah, and I, I don't think people really realize how much scrutiny you are really under when you have to go through this renewal process every five years. And like you said, it would be nice if the districts had to go be be involved and uh, had to go under the same guidelines and they're really criticized like, like the charter schools are. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it just kind of just reminds you about... Um, just where our focus is supposed to be. We, we talk a lot about, uh, at UPA, we talk a lot about kids and we talk a lot about um, making sure that every student can uh, make that dream of college a reality. That's, that's our work and that's our focus. And, um, and that's really where I think comprehensives start to get kind of lost in that is in some cases, because there's so many different outcomes, um, there is a, uh, a godlike complex that some teachers can take where they're predicting what students should go to college and which, what students shouldn't. And when you start to look at like unconscious bias or you look at complacency or um, how a student interacts with a teacher, uh, that's improper and unprofessional for us to determine who's going to go to college and who's not. Um, that's not our job. No, it's, it's the student's choice. And Absolutely. And, that, and that's critical. And that's why I think Charters are so connected to their communities. That's another huge difference. I, I absolutely love our community. The parents um, are coming from so many different backgrounds and experiences, um, but they are united in trying to make this school work. You, you did say you have a, you have a good, great community. And I, I noticed that you guys have a lot of clubs and organizations and you guys seem to be offering a lot of different programs and extracurriculars. 
Yeah, um, we're right now we're offering we're operating about twenty different clubs. Um, one that I'll just highlight right now because they're super active and preparing. They were preparing for competition. Um, is Girls Who Code. Um, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and that's actually run by um, a parent who's working in the industry. Um, and I would have died to have that program and that parent. Um, in Growing my- up, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if I had to be a girl who codes um, and to be part of that, um, because it's just, those are the things that uh, are just so important. Um, I grew up as a, as a Boy Scout uh, and, and just having that community where the parents, maybe not necessarily your parent, but where there's a community who are invested in students and invested in children. That's just critical. Um, their outreach program right now um, is huge. And that's, it's just really exciting to see that. Our, um, our, our BSU, Black Student Union is super active. And I think the most exciting part about that is the diversity of students who are participating in that. Um, and, and uh, our BSU president, student president was really particular about making sure that every student felt that they could be part of that club. And, and so I think I, I had, we just finished February and I think we had one of the most uh, inspiring Black History Months um, that I've ever participated in. Well, that's wonderful because even at a lot of the charter schools, you don't see a ton of extracurriculars. You see some clubs and some um, extracurricular activities, but I mean, it seems like you guys are doing the amount that you would see at a very large district where they have a ton of (laughs) different options available. Um, Yeah, and that's driven by the students in the community. Um, We have um, some top-notch former volleyball players who are helping run, um, who are teaching, who are uh, helping run our IT program and they were willing to step up and start coaching. And, um, and basically there's uh, a network, the PSAL, um, which is the athletic league we belong to, um, is really kind of in its infancy. And um, that, that part is exciting too, in that we're kind of defining what competition looks like in the mindset that it truly is a student first. Um, you know, um, especially in, in these crazy times, um, to have coaches that were willing to put student safety first and willing to make the tough call immediately without hesitation. And that's, uh, that's very different. Uh, I coached for 15 years and I know that there's this pull to, to want to win over everything else. Um, and I'm just really proud of our, our staff um, but beyond that, uh, a full basketball program, because we're grades 7 through 12, uh, we can really take some time to develop skill sets, not only in the classroom, but also on the basketball court. If you are a student, parent, teacher, or school administrator, and you are experiencing disruptions of normal learning through the COVID-19 coronavirus crisis, shoot me an email to tell me your story at charterchatpodcast at gmail.com. Well, that's good. Um, Sports are important. And it looks like since you have a background yourself in the math and the sciences, it looks like you have a pretty robust um, academic program as well. 
Yeah, um, being able to offer AP courses, um, it is a graduation requirement. And this is one part that um, I wish people really kind of recognize is that with our IEP program, um, most students are fully mainstreamed and supported in the classroom by their um, special education case manager, but they're still held to that same standard of taking two AP courses before they graduate. And I gotta tell you, like that's, that is what the IEP law was designed to do. And that's what the Supreme Court was talking about when they said socialization was just as important as academics. And, and to be able to actually see that in reality instead of having some ancillary program that's off to the side or in a portable you know, that's 40 years old, that's where this, um, to be able to make sure that our students are getting a true equitable education is, is really, it's just amazing. Now, a lot has changed in the last couple of weeks here. As we all know, we're in a global emergency situation with the COVID-19 virus going around uh, coronavirus. And how are you guys actually continuing this this extensive learning, this program that you have, because you're in the Santa Clara County and that's one of the first counties in California who has completely shut down pretty much all business operations. Um, well, first, like there's the social emotional part and the, the part that was really uh, mind blowing and just how dedicated students and parents are to the school was just the emotional toll it took for, uh, took on people that we had to close the school in the first place. Um, that tells me that students really feel like they're moving towards that goal and that dream. Um, so we had, I've been trying to be as transparent and um, uh, on top of communication with our staff and our community. Um, so we've kind of had this in our mindset that things were, rapidly changing and that we need to prepare for uh, all sorts of potential um, uh, options. And one of those was just starting to move and migrate all work towards our learning management system. Um, well, I would like to um, move to something more interactive and we're exploring that now. Um, the system we're using right now, which is PowerSchool, really does allow for quite a bit of interactivity. Um, and then our teachers had been testing out Zoom and um, lots of different resources. I just had a parent email me this morning. He works for a, um, an online learning program um, that really just is similar to Zoom, but more educationally based. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I guess they tested it out in China um, when they had their school closures. So we'll take a look at that today. Um, but that's really just where that community comes together. Uh, the staff, uh, they're working in their in their little offices at home or dining room tables or wherever, um, and they are on it. They are super dedicated. The response I'm getting from parents in terms of teachers emailing back right away. Um, that uh, I was talking to some teachers in a quick little Zoom meeting yesterday, and they're just so excited about students finally really truly reaching out through email, wishing, uh, wanting to know how to do a problem or. How do they do the research or how do they do MLA formatting? And it's just, there's a lot of interaction going on right now, even though we're all uh, in a shelter in place. 
Yeah, I think communication is key during this situation. As long as we can keep strong communication going between our students and employees and families, I think in the end, it might, it might actually come out and change the way we're doing things in the long term. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, when we really start to look long term, I think it's important to think about um, uh, accessibility and um, how we're um, allowing students to participate. Um, and if we can get better at this um, technology piece around technology in the classroom, um, we could truly see uh, some, some really new innovative options. And that's again, coming back to why um, for me, finding a charter school that's so innovative is just truly amazing. We can really kind of dream of some new ideas and, and implement them. Would you like to be on the show? Email me at charterchatpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and I think that's a good point for charter schools. They do have the flexibility to change learning how you learn and come up with different ideas without having to go through all the bureaucracy that the school districts have to go through. Yeah, it's in our DNA. And that's like, yeah, that's that's what like, let's get to that and let's stay there. Um, uh, and in meeting with some of the other charters, it's just everyone's coming up with some really cool systems. I was really bummed to hear that one of the large school districts in our, uh, in our county um, is not requiring students to do any work at all. Oh, wow. Uh, if we're not talking about, I mean, for me, equity is really important. Um, and I would not have gone to UPA if they weren't addressing equity in a serious way. And so it really just does break my heart that um, there's, potential that students who are the most vulnerable and need a quality education are going to be left three weeks, four weeks behind uh, their peers. Um, yeah. So and not, I, not I know, I know that's a big uh, concern right now on the like English language learners and the special ed students that they're going to be the ones that suffer during this time. Absolutely. And if I didn't have such strong directors who are really focused on trying to make sure that um, our 504 and IEP and EL students were, um, were constantly being thought of by our staff. Uh, we might be in that same boat in terms of leaving students behind, but they're just so dedicated to making sure that it's uh, equitable and accessible. And that's, um, that's, that's the power of uh, allowing people to really own the opportunities. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the school year ends up. Um, and I definitely probably want to connect with you again, maybe next year once things are back to normal again. <laughs> Absolutely. But in the meantime, is there anything else you want to share about your school or your organization with the audience? Um, what I just would like to, to share is that... Um, that we are fully open for uh, communication and sharing best practices. Um, we might not have everything perfect, um, but we definitely have figured out um, some processes in terms of really helping students be successful in the classroom around um, uh, cultural responsive pedagogy, um, 
right now our, our focus is being able to really look at best practices in that area as well as how do we also support EL students in that same paradigm. And we're more than happy to share any resources that we have um, because we really think that where the innovation is going to come from is the communication between all charters. Well, yeah, and I think this could even be the opportunity for charters and districts to really come together and work together to come up with solutions. Absolutely. So this may be <laughs> the one thing that, that brings everybody together. Yeah, I think so. So you mentioned you are willing to provide resources. Is how can people get in touch with you or learn more about your school? Do you have a website? Facebook yeah, page? Um, I think the easiest is either to email me. Uh, that's D Porter. Uh, that's for David Porter. So D Porter at UPA Today. Uh, org, UPA Today org. Um, or you can go to our website, um, which is uh, upasv.org. That's upasv.org. Um, please feel free to reach out. And um, like most executive directors, we got plenty to do, but we also have plenty of time to respond to emails or uh, potential questions. And it's always better to, to work together. Sounds good. Yeah. And we are going to see what happens over the rest of this school year. And in the, in the meantime, everybody stay safe, wash your hands, keep, stay home. <laughs> and yes. in the end, um, just remember to put the kids first. Absolutely. Well, thank you, David, uh, for thank taking you. the time and we'll check in again with you next year. All right. All right. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Charter Chat Podcast. Be sure to visit charterchatpodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Just remember to put kids first. See you next time.